0: Welcome to the Selfish Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to fill the gap between your comfort zone and living the life of your dreams. All right, let's get a little bit selfish. On today's episode, we're gonna talk about how to stop having bad food days. I'm gonna give you some tips and some tools that are gonna really change the way you look at food and change the way that you go about your habits with food. So get ready. There's going to be some major mindset shifts here. So pay close attention because this is a big deal. Everyone has a relationship with food and most of us don't have a very healthy relationship with food. So let's start working on that right now. I have to tell you one of the least favorite things I can hear another woman say is yesterday I was really good in reference to how they ate or the other side of that is Yesterday, I was really bad. I ate really horribly yesterday. Yesterday was a really bad day. Can we please, for the love, stop identifying our days as being good or bad, all on the basis of what we put in our mouth? It is completely, completely inappropriate. It impacts the way that you eat. It impacts your health. It impacts your self-esteem. It impacts the way you see yourself and it impacts the way other people see you. Do you see a bunch of guys walking around saying, oh man, I had a really bad day yesterday. I accidentally ate the donut in the office. No, they don't say that. Because men do not value themselves on what they put in their mouths. Now that's a pretty big generalization. There are some men that do, but for the most part, this is a woman thing and we have to stop doing this. And if you have children, it is a huge responsibility of yours to not talk this way around your kids. Because the last thing you want to hear your seven-year-old child say to you is, oh, yesterday I was really bad and I ate a cookie. Because I'm telling you, especially if you have a daughter, you will hear things like that and it happens very young. And they're saying those kinds of things because that's what we're saying. They're hearing these things every day. So I'm going to back up for a minute. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my relationship with food. And then we're going to dig into your relationship with food, which is the really important thing here. So I've had a longstanding, very troubled relationship with food. And it started when I was really young. I used food for comfort and companionship and I guess probably a therapist would say it was an emotional thing. I don't feel like it was, but I just loved food and like lots of it. I think it was just when I was bored, it was just what I went to. So it wasn't like a coping mechanism, like, oh, I feel sad. I want to go eat a lot. It just was like, oh, there's nothing else to do. Let's go eat. But anyways, as a teen, this got to be troublesome. And in my young adulthood, this was troublesome. And I went through phases of trying to eat less and less and less and trying to only eat 10 grams of fat a day or less. I went through like probably four to six year period where fat was my biggest enemy. I didn't eat peanut butter for I think like five years and I would really like those five years back please. I didn't eat any fat. I remember grocery shopping and looking at tortillas which like products that are mostly made of flour generally aren't high in fat unless they have a lot of butter in them. So things like bread is generally not high fat. I remember shopping for tortillas, which are generally already a naturally low-fat food. And I remember looking and being like, oh, do I get the ones that have one gram of fat per tortilla or should I get the ones that have a half a gram of fat per tortilla? So like, here I am, this was in college, so I'm like, what, 20 years old and I'm trying to decide if between a half of a gram of fat per tortilla, which ones should I get This is ridiculous. And I would like really, really struggle with these kinds of decisions all day long. Everything I looked at went in my mouth. I was like, oh, how much fat does it have? Is it the fat-free sour cream or the fat sour cream? Because I'm not going to eat the sour cream that has fat. I'm only going to eat the fat-free sour cream. And why the heck have they not invented fat-free peanut butter yet? So this was my daily conversation with myself. I did not eat fat. I can tell you I ate a million calories because you can find a lot of fat-free foods, but I did not eat fat. And it was a really torturous thing. I was constantly obsessing about it. So fast forward through the course of many more years, I went on to have a lot of other really disordered eating things that I went through other ways that I judged myself and other little criteria that I built up for myself. And all these were ways of me gauging if I was going to have a good day or a bad day. So if I ate more than 10 grams of fat, it was a bad day. If I ate less than 10 grams of fat, it was a good day. And if I could consistently eat less than 10 grams of fat per day, Hmm. maybe I should change the barrier a little bit. Maybe I should really make the goal eight grams of fat or less per day. So now fat is like, we don't obsess about fat the same way that we used to. I hope, please tell me you don't, because fat is actually really, really vital and actually can be very helpful in weight management. But now we obsess about sugar and we're like, oh, well, if I only have less than 25 grams of sugar per day, then it'll be a really good day. Let's just stop, please. We are not what we eat And we are not the value of the food that we put in our mouth. If I eat a cupcake, it does not make me a bad person. So I'm going to say that again. You are not what you eat, and you are not the value of what you put in your mouth. Because all over social media, you're going to see things that tell you that you are what you eat, and you're going to see a bowl of salad in a picture next to a platter of cake or cupcakes with some sort of fancy, supposedly inspirational quote that talks about how we are what we eat. I'd like to call a big fat BS you are not what you eat, and your value has nothing to do with the food that you put in your mouth. So how to stop having bad days with food? Well, it's as simple as that. You will never have a bad food day again because I am taking that away from you starting right now. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories To listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. This episode is supported by Aquatrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four—yes, three out of four—homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out Aquatrue. Aquatrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove fifty times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters, and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS I swear it's like, classify a day as good or bad because it doesn't benefit anyone. Where does it get you in moving toward a goal? If you look back and you say, yesterday I was really bad. I ate the pizza and then I had a beer and then I had some candy. And then, oh man, before I went to bed, I had like some pretzels and maybe I even had a piece of my kid's licorice. Yesterday was really bad. That doesn't help me with anything in my life, does it? Does it help me move toward a goal? No. Does it help me feel good about myself? No. Does it help me bring value to my life in any way, to my family, to my work, to my relationship with my husband? No. All it does is suppress everything. All it does is allow me to stay in this place where I judge myself based on food. And that is a ridiculous place to live. And when I use the word ridiculous, I don't want it to sound like I'm being insensitive. I just want to impact upon you how inappropriate it is to judge yourself based on the food that you put in your mouth. And when we talk about having a good day versus a bad day, that's exactly what you're doing. You are identifying yourself as a person and your worth as a person based on what you ate. I am not an amazing person because I ate two salads yesterday. So let's not get carried away because I did eat two salads yesterday and I shouldn't be walking around town with my head held high because no, I ate two salads and I'm awesome. No, I ate two salads. That's all. That is a neutral statement. It is not good. It is not bad bad. So let's take this for what it is. Food is food and it's not good and it's not bad. Some of it has different health benefits for us and some of it will take us closer to or further from a goal, but it doesn't impact whether or not we're a good person or a bad person. So I hope that clears up for you whether or not you're having a good day or a bad day with food, because I can tell you right now, you're not having a good day or a bad day with food. I didn't have a good day yesterday because I ate two salads and I didn't have a bad day on a day that I ate pizza and cupcakes and beer and whatever. None of that impacts me as a person and none of it helps me move closer to or further from a goal when I start identifying food in a positive or negative way. So I hope we can move on from that. I hope that you can let that sit for a minute Because we're going to move forward now and talk a little bit about how you can overcome this mindset. Because yes, you can say, okay, I'm not going to talk that way anymore. And you can say, so this is a funny thing that happens. I'll go to a restaurant with people and people feel very self-conscious ordering food around me because of my history in fitness and nutrition. So they're always like, well, what is Sarah going to get? And what would you recommend? And should I get my dressing on the side? And I should definitely not get French fries. I'll get the side salad instead because Sarah's here all of which is ridiculous. Like when I go to a restaurant, I get what I want. And I don't feel like I need to justify it to anyone. If I want to get a burger and fries, I'm going to get the burger and fries. And I don't need to tell the whole table like, well, I know I'm a trainer and normally I wouldn't eat like this, but today is my treat day and I haven't had a treat in seven days. Like that is all so irrelevant. I'm at a restaurant to enjoy myself with the people that I'm with. I'm not going to have a conversation about why I'm eating what I'm eating because that's not what I'm there for. I'm there to enjoy the people that I'm there to be with and spend time with and develop a relationship with. So it's not about the food that I'm putting in my mouth and it's not about the reasons that I'm putting that food in my mouth. And the same thing for all the people who are looking at me thinking, what is Sarah going to think? I don't care. I do not care what you're eating for dinner or for lunch. I don't care if you have the fries or the side salad. I don't care if you have a burger with a bun or with a lettuce wrap. It's up to you. It doesn't matter to me because I don't know your story. I don't know what you ate yesterday. I don't know what you ate the rest of today to make it relevant. So it doesn't matter to me. It's your thing. So it's not for me to judge. So you don't need to feel like everyone's looking at you. This is what we do as women. Again, let's talk about dudes. Do dudes sit around a table at dinner and think like, well, what is he going to order? Is he going to get the fries or the side salad? If he's going to get the side salad, I'm getting the side salad. I don't want to be the only one to get fries. Like dudes just order their food. They order the food that they want and they eat it. And they talk with each other and enjoy their company and talk about whatever it is dudes talk about. So why as women do we sit around and beat ourselves up over What everyone else at the table is ordering, and if they're getting the fries or the side salad. It's a little bit silly if you really think about it, right? So, what happens to me frequently is people ask me questions and we talk about feeling guilty about getting the fries instead of the salad and blah, blah, blah. And then people will say something like, Well, I'm going to be really bad and I'm going to get the pasta. Please don't be really bad. If you want the pasta, get the pasta. That's not really bad. Just get the pasta. The same thing is along the lines of, Oh, I'm going to be really good and get the salad today no need to be really good for me. Just get the salad if you want the salad. So we have to stop using this language because every time you use that language in front of another person, you're artificially cutting yourself down or building yourself up. So if you're in front of your kids saying, I'm going to be good and get the salad at this restaurant, but Susie, honey, you can get the French fries. It's okay. Then you're telling your daughter that in order to be good as an adult woman, she should be getting a salad over French fries. How is that appropriate? Why would you ever want to give your child the idea that the way that they order off of a menu or the way that they choose food at any point in their day has any sort of impact on their identity? But that's what you do every time you make a statement about, oh, I'm going to be bad today and get the fries, or I'm going to be really good and you guys all get dessert and I'm just going to sit and watch. Like, fine if you don't want the dessert. Fine if you're trying to lose weight and you're not going to get dessert, that's totally fine. But don't say, I'm going to be good and not have dessert because that doesn't make you a good person. What it does do is it leaves a big impact on your kids' relationship with food because they see your relationship with food? Okay, so let's dive in a little bit deeper, and I want to think you to think about your triggers with food. So here's the thing: we often link these good days and bad days to willpower. And big fat newsflash: willpower is not what it's really about. It's very. Oh no. Okay, I'm not even going to say it's very rarely. I'm going to say it's never about willpower. Here's the thing. If you decide to eat the ice cream, it's either because it looks really delicious and you want it right now, or it might be because you've been really stressed out all day. It might be because you are exhausted and you didn't get any sleep last night because you were up with kids or for whatever reason, didn't sleep well. It well could be that you're craving sugar because you didn't get enough protein, fat or water earlier in the day. So now it's nine o'clock at night. You finally got the kids in bed. You just want to relax. And all you're thinking is, man, I really want some sugar. And ice cream is what we have in the freezer. So that sounds really good. That doesn't make you a good or a bad person. It means that you're either tired or stressed or deficient in protein, fat, or water from earlier in the day. Or it might just mean that it's the strength of a habit that you've instilled in your life, which can happen if you're someone who has dessert every night. And so often, you know, if you're in the habit of having ice cream every night, then every night you're going to start thinking about ice cream because it's what you're used to doing. I used to eat cereal every night and it would take like everything in me, like eight, nine o'clock at night. I'd be watching TV and I would just lay on the couch obsessing like, oh, I just want to get a little bit of cereal. And I'd go pour some cereal and some milk. And then there would always is like, you know, the disproportion issue between the cereal. So you run out of cereal. There's still some milk left. So you have to pour in a little more cereal, but then you run out of milk. So you have to pour in more milk, but then you have leftover milk again. So you have to pour in more cereal. So like one bowl of cereal was generally three bowls of cereal for me. And then I'd be super full climbing into bed and really annoyed with myself thinking, oh, man, I did it again. I had a bad day. I ate the cereal. Why'd I eat the cereal? This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs. special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. And here I am, like beating myself up about some ridiculous cereal before bedtime, which is... Not that bad in the grand scheme of things, because it could have been a lot worse. It could have been Kit Kats, it could have been ice cream, it could have been a bag of cookies, like whatever, it could have been a million different things. So regardless of what your habit is, if you have some sort of evening habit, or if you have some sort of lunchtime habit, whenever in the day it might be, you know, every time you get a coffee, you get a scone or a muffin or something. Those habits are hard to break. And when you break a habit like that, there's going to be a vacuum. So When you tell yourself tomorrow night, I'm not going to have the ice cream. And then it gets to be tomorrow night. And all you're thinking about is ice cream. You're thinking about that ice cream because you've left a vacuum there and you have to immediately put a new habit where that old habit lived, or all you're going to do is notice the vacuum. So if I'm giving up my ice cream habit, the first time I do that, If I'm used to eating ice cream every night at eight o'clock, I'm just going to sit and stare at the clock and stare at the TV and think, where's my ice cream? Where's my ice cream? Where's my ice cream? I really want my ice cream. I really, really, really want my ice cream. How could I get ice cream to my house? Could someone go get me ice cream? Could I have ice cream delivered? How could I make ice cream? If I took some ice cubes and milk and put it in the blender and then added some sugar and some cocoa powder, would that be ice cream? Like these will be the things that you think because you're trying to figure out, like, this is what I normally do at this time. How can I not do that? Or how can I step back into doing it again if I don't have the ice cream in my house? So you have to put a new habit in that place. So, what is your new habit? All you have to do is think about trying it one time. So, I'm going to think about, okay, I'm not going to have ice cream tonight. This might be hard, but I'm going to just try and see what is it like if I have a cup of tea instead. This might be miserable, but I'm just going to do it one time and see what it's like. So I'm going to make myself the tea and I might think about the ice cream the whole time I'm drinking the tea. And then I get done with the tea and be like, oh, actually, I kind of feel full because hot liquids do fill me up. Maybe I don't need the ice cream. Maybe I'm okay. And then I might go to bed and be like, yeah, actually, you know what? I didn't eat the ice cream and I'm good. So this is shocking. And now I've started a new habit. And now I can replicate that again the next night. That's not to say that you're not going to want the ice cream the next night, because you might, you'll probably still think about it. You might think about it for many nights, but it's just practicing a new habit and putting that new habit right there rather than leaving that vacuum. And then it's much easier to break free of the habit that you were deeming bad. Does that make sense? So think about what can you put in that new place. It might be that you don't sit on the couch at eight o'clock at night because that's a trigger for you. It might be that instead you go read a book or you crochet because your hands are busy when you're crocheting. So I'm not saying that anyone can just crochet out of thin air, but I do know a lot of people who use handy work and those kinds of habits to get around the hand to mouth habit in the evening, which can be really powerful. It might be that you go for a walk at eight o'clock. Maybe your partner can watch the fam, you know, hold down the fort and you can get out of the house for a few minutes. So, okay, you've identified the vacuum effect and you have started to build some new habits. This means that you can start to build your strength around developing new habits and your self-worth around developing new habits. It doesn't mean that you're starting to develop your self-worth about like, yes, now I'm a good person because I drink tea. No, because you weren't a bad person when you ate the ice cream. So it's just what it is. And then it's a focus on identifying the positive behaviors. And so acknowledging oh, wow, I drank tea and I didn't have the ice cream and I felt really good about that. And that's awesome. You can feel good about something. You don't have to identify the food as good or bad, but you can identify the behavior as something that you feel really positive about and feel really strong about. So start identifying, oh, I did this and I feel really good about that. And it can be all throughout the day and it can be a million different things. You make over 200 decisions every single day that impact your weight. So you are constantly barraged with how to decide what you're gonna put in your mouth and all these other tiny little decisions all day long. You get decision fatigue. It is exhausting to say yes or no to dietary decisions all day long. So minimizing how many decisions that you make every day related to food can be very powerful. But also at the end of the day, instead of focusing on like, oh my God, I can't believe that I ate the donut, out of 200 choices, if the one choice you made that makes you feel bad is the donut, what about the other 199 choices that you made? So let's start focusing on the things that you can feel good about. If you ate the donut, fine, move on, Who cares? that does not make you a better person or a worse person. It has says nothing about your self-value. It says nothing about anything related to anything. So forget the donut, but let's look at things that you feel good about from that day. So you ate the donut, whatever. We're not even putting that on the list. We're going to put three positive things from the day on your list. So you played a game with your kid after work. Maybe you helped someone, a coworker out with a project at work to help build a relationship or build some credibility or authority in that position. Maybe you were able to spend a little extra time with your husband in the evening, or maybe you got in a workout, or maybe you got a massage, or maybe you made a kind, thoughtful decision related to someone else. Maybe you sent a card to someone. Maybe you made a phone call that you've been putting off. There's like a million different things that you can identify that are positive in your day. So do that instead of focusing on, here's the bad foods that I ate, because it's not uncommon to sum up your whole day based on how you ate, and that's not okay. It's not appropriate. Your value is not determined by what you put in your mouth. Your value is not determined by the quality of food that you eat. You are not what you eat. So we have to get away from that. Okay, so congratulations. You just stopped having bad food days. I am so excited for you. Now we can move on and we can do things that actually matter with food and we can do things that actually make an impact related to how to change habits. And we can do things that actually matter in terms of being stronger and more confident and building a better legacy and building a better relationship with food so that your children can see that. So I hope this was really impactful for you. I would love to talk more about this. I think relationships with food are just Such a big, big deal. And I think that as women, it's a struggle. And I think that most women have some sort of issue with this for many, many reasons and not because through any fault of your own or through any fault of your upbringing. It's just the way that we culturally have been raised. We've been trained to talk about our food and to judge ourselves based on our food. So let's start moving away from this starting today. So if this episode was of any value to you, please leave a review on iTunes. That is the best way that you can help me know what you're loving about this podcast. And it can help me help you become a better selfish mom every single day. So please leave a review over on iTunes, leave any questions or comments on our site over at theselfishmomacademy.com. And thank you so much for listening. I can't wait to chat again really soon. And until next time, make sure that you get out there and do something today that is just for you and a little bit selfish.